Last year, 24-7 Wall Street published an article titled 30, 43 Most Outrageous Product Claims. Uh, every year, our government files claims against uh, companies for falsely advertising. Uh, you may remember five-hour energy, uh, the little uh, shot drink that's supposed to boost your energy. They at one time claimed that uh, their, their drink was more potent than coffee, and, and doctors recommended it. Uh, as a result, they were ordered to pay $4.5 million in fees and penalties. Uh, or maybe you've heard of Luminosity Labs. They said they had an app that could help prevent Alzheimer's disease, even though uh, they had no proof to show it. As a result of that, they had to pay $2 million for false advertising. Uh, one of the f funnier ones that I remember was Nissan. Uh, they had a commercial out on their uh, Frontier tr pickup truck, and they showed this big sand dune and this dune buggy at the top of the sand dune and the, and the uh, Nissan Frontier truck behind it, pushing it up over the sand dune uh, as if that truck could ever do that, which, of course, it, it can't. Uh, Camel Cigarettes had an ad one time where they paid actors to smoke cigarettes on their break uh, to try to show how good cigarettes are for you. Uh, and then more recently, a group of Norwegians sued uh, Tesla, the car maker, because they advertised 700 horsepower when their vehicle only had 465 horsepower. Uh, I'd have been happy with either one, but... <laughs> False advertising is, is everywhere. Uh, one of the worst kinds of false advertising is sometimes uh, fi found inside the church. Uh, in our text today, we see the church in Thyatira was plagued with false advertising. Uh, Thyatira, by the way, was a, a real city with real people living in it. Uh, ruins of the city have been uncovered in modern-day Turkey uh, in Western Asia. And based on inscriptions that have been found, we know that Thyatira was a city that was known for its trade guilds or trade organizations. Uh, if you were a goldsmith or a carpenter or a perfumer, someone like that, you might belong to one of these trade guilds or organizations. Uh, you may remember in the book of Acts where uh, the Apostle Paul met a woman named Lydia, and Lydia was from Thyatira. Uh, she was a, a dye maker or a person who sold uh, purple dye or clothes that were dyed purple, and uh, she probably belonged to one of those trade guilds, of dye, a dye guild. Uh, we also know that from that conversation, uh, Lydia believed the gospel uh, believed in Jesus Christ and was her whole household was baptized. But she's not the only woman from this city of Thyatira. Uh, there was another woman from Thyatira, a woman who didn't believe um, and didn't obey the Lord. She was actually likened to uh, the Old Testament Jezebel. You remember Jezebel in the Old Testament uh, this woman was also a walking billboard of false advertising. She dot, taught doctrines that led people astray, and worst of all, she was content in her ways and didn't want to change. Her sin had become the norm, except, acceptable to her and to many others. 
Anytime the church treats sin as normal, refusing to address it, refusing to turn away from it, a serious false message is communicated. Uh, Namely, that God's people can sin whenever they want to, and he'll always forgive them. No questions asked. Wouldn't that be uh, a fun church to attend, a church that, pro- uh, that proclaimed that message week after week after week? You know, you showed up and, uh, hey, uh, thinking about that adulterous relationship? Eh, don't worry about it. Go ahead. God will forgive you. Uh, thinking about uh, stealing from your boss? That'll be okay. God will forgive you. Uh, and on and on and on we could go. Uh, And yet we know the truth is that God will never honor and bless us if we choose to disobey him. Back when I was in high school, uh, I remember one year this young man came into our school system and he'd been severely burned. Uh, I actually found out that his sweater had caught on fire and in the process of trying to take it off, Uh, basically the skin on his face and Tyre's face just melted, and he was scarred uh, for life. Sin will scar us for life if we refuse to repent and turn it over to Jesus. God doesn't extend his grace and mercy to those who choose to live in sin. He extends his grace and mercy to those who humbly repent and turn away from sin. Paul spoke about this in Romans 6, uh, verse 15, when he asked, Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And then he answers his own question, May it never be! Exclamation point. Now, in our text today, we see how God responds to sin. First, God opposes those who tolerate sin. Uh, we've been going through the book of Revelation And uh, we're up to chapter 2 now, so we're going to begin here in verse 18 in this uh, rather short section that's addressed specifically to this church in Thyatira. So if you want to follow along, I'm just going to read a couple verses here, beginning in verse 18. And to the angel or messenger of the church in Thyatira write, The Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds. That ought to get our attention right away as we picture the Son of God with his blazing eyes and his bronze feet. Uh, You know, we need to listen to this. He says, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Uh, That word there that's translated immorality actually is fornication. It's a sexually related word. Uh, But several in the church at Thyatira were led astray by this prominent woman who seemed to have a lot of influence. Uh, This woman appears to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Uh, She claimed to be a prophetess uh, of God, uh, but she thoroughly enjoyed the lifestyle that she was uh, brought up in in her culture. 
According to verse 20, she participated in the social vices of her day, uh, which included idolatrous feasts and various acts of sexual immorality. Not only that, but she encouraged others to do the same. We can only imagine how someone like that gets to that point and and how they justify their behavior. Uh, Maybe her culture was a lot more like our culture than we would like to believe in the sense that maybe they redefine words differently, uh, change the meaning of words to justify their behavior. Uh, Words like sin or love or toleration. You know, toleration used to mean putting up with those who you strongly disagree with. You just put up with them. Uh, But today it means accepting and embracing beliefs and practices that would normally be repulsive to you. And that's kind of the way our society has changed the meaning. Uh, Those who love the Lord used to speak out against sin, but today a lot of times uh, God's people are afraid to speak out against sin. They're afraid that they'll be accused of using hate speech, and so they keep quiet. We know how God feels about sin. In Romans 12, uh, verse 9, we are commanded to hate that which is evil and love that which is good. Uh, Jesus actually praised the church in Ephesus for being intolerant of sin. In Revelation 2, 2, he says, I know you cannot tolerate wicked people. Then in verse 6, he says, but you have this in your favor, in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Well, there's that dirty four-letter word, hate. Surely we can't use that word in church, can we? Hate. Uh, And yet when it comes to sin, this should be our attitude. We should hate it, hate sin. Uh, Our Lord hates sin. We should have no toleration for sin. We should be intolerant when it comes to sin. Uh, This is clearly taught throughout God's word. Verse 20 identifies the woman as the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. Jezebel may have been her real name, or it may have been John's way of saying she was like the Jezebel of the Old Testament. Uh, We don't know for sure. Uh, I may actually talk in a way that implies one and the other both as I go along here. Uh, But the point is, this was a a woman who was leading people astray. She lived in, in the area of Thyatira, the church of Thyatira. And she was causing a lot of problems. But not everyone in Thyatira was following her example. Uh, Think about, let's go back a minute to the Old Testament Jezebel. Think about her for a minute. Uh, She was like the worst of the worst, right? She led her husband astray, her husband who was king of Israel. She led him astray. She uh, massacred God's prophets. Uh, She was a wicked and an evil woman. Um, It's interesting to note that she was also thrown from a palace window, trampled by horses, and then eaten by dogs. I think there's got to be a message in there somewhere. (laughs) 
about how serious sin is, uh, how destructive it is. But not everybody followed her example. Many were doing a lot of things right. Uh, in verse 19, it says many were growing. They were growing in their love. They were growing in their faith. They were growing in their service. They were growing in their perseverance. Uh, they were continuing to, uh, to do good deeds. So there was some good things happening. And I have no doubt that when we look around our church, we are reminded of similar things, some good things. I mean, we, uh, you know... Every month we have a servant of the month where we highlight someone who is, is really doing something special for the Lord. And, and these things are happening in the church. But the church in Thyatira was also divided. There was not only were people growing in the relationship to Christ, but there were other people who were growing closer to the relationship with the world. And then there were others who were trying to do both and have their cake and eat it too, you might say. Our Lord is especially pleased when we're growing the way he wants us to be growing. When we're growing in our love and in our faith and in our service and perseverance and good deeds. And if you think about it, as long as, we into as, long as we're intolerant towards sin, we will continue to grow. But if we become tolerant of sin, the growth just stops. And of course, sometimes... We even go the other way if we're not careful. The biblical solution for dealing with all sin is clear. Don't tolerate it. Don't put up with it. Uh, address it. Confess it. And repent. Now, this doesn't sound like much fun. <laughs> Sorry. I guess it's not. Uh, repenting is not, I don't think it's designed to be fun. Uh, experiencing godly sorrow isn't a fun thing. Uh, it's not enjoyable to acknowledge that you've done something wrong. Uh, no one wants to do that, and yet it's, it's, it's what God expects of us. When we sin, he expects us, he wants us to repent. In uh, verse 21, our Lord uh, speaking about this woman, the wayward woman in Thyatira, he says, I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Ever felt that way? <laughs> I think probably if we were honest, we probably have all felt that way at one time or another. We just don't want to repent. Uh, you know, well, something's happened, and, you know, we're fed up with it or whatever, and we don't want to repent. Um, this woman had been given time to repent, but she didn't. Unlike you and me, God loves sinners and wants them to repent. Uh, sometimes we take the eye for an eye approach. You know, someone runs us off the ro road, we run them off, on the, off the road. Someone uh, hurts us, we hurt them. Uh, or maybe we're like the uh, bumper sticker I saw on a vehicle in Jamestown not too long ago. said, uh, uh, I have a beautiful daughter. I also have a gun, a shovel, and an alibi. You ever heard that one? Uh, and I have to admit, I kind of chuckle when I first heard it, too. I mean, 
yeah, you mess with my daughter and you, you know, I'm going to kill you. You know, that's, well, that's the kind of the message in a funny way. But the bottom line is, aren't you glad that that isn't quite the attitude God takes with us? I mean, our God is patient. He gives us time to repent. Very patient. Uh, remember how God wanted to save the, the wicked city of Nineveh? Uh, Jonah, Jonah hated the idea. He wanted no part of it. And, and yet God had to convince him that, you know, I still love these people. I, I want them to repent. Uh, I want what's best for them. And, of course, it took a, a, a storm, three bellies in the night, a day and a night, and uh, three days and nights in the belly of a fish uh, to finally convince uh, Jonah to to go to Nineveh to warn the people that if they didn't repent, they were about to be annihilated. And fortunately, uh, they did. They listened to his message and they repented. And in Jonah chapter 3, 5, we read, Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word, of the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth and sat on the ashes. God is patient, but his patience won't last forever. He gave the woman Jezebel time to repent, but she didn't want to repent. Maybe you're here today, and you know of some area in your life where you need to repent. Maybe more than one area. Uh, you need to repent. If so, why, why delay? Why put it off? Um, you know, why put God's patience to the test? Uh, why subject yourself to his discipline? Uh, why toy with his wrath? Why gamble with your own personal well-being. Just stop and do what you know is right. Or in some cases, it may actually mean start to do what you know is right. Because sometimes we need to stop and sometimes we need to start, don't we? So third, God, we know God will punish those who refuse to repent. It's uh, not a pleasant topic. It's not fun to talk about, but it's reality. And uh, actually, I don't think it should be that much of a bummer or a downer to know that our God is just. I mean, we want justice, don't we? I mean, I think we all do. Uh, but our Lord takes, uh, continues in verse 22. He says, Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness. Talking about this wayward woman in Thyatira. He says, I'll throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her immorality. And I will kill her children. Uh, and I think that's a, 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 an application to her followers. Uh, and it says, with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. So from a human perspective, uh, God's punishment or designated punishment may seem cruel and heartless. Um, and how could a loving and perfect God intentionally cause sickness, tribulation, and death? 
Surely a little partying and sexual immorality didn't warrant that kind of a response, uh, we might say. Uh, And I don't know if I can answer this question to your satisfaction, but maybe we should begin by looking at this from God's perspective. Our God sent his son, his only begotten son, into this world to pay the price for our sin, to to take on our penalty by suffering cruelly on a cross. The Son of God, not just a good guy, the Son of God, the perfect, sinless Son of God, did that for us. Um, And for Jezebel, this woman, or wayward woman, whatever her name was, and those who were following her as well. But not everyone accepts that. Some people reject God's Son. And that's certainly what uh, was happening in Thyatira. Uh, They were rejecting him. Uh, They were basically telling their creator, their heavenly father, uh, the almighty one, that they didn't need him. They didn't want his advice. They didn't want his protection. They didn't want his provision. And they didn't want his salvation. Uh, Think about that for a minute. If you and I were dying and we knew there was a doctor who could perform a procedure that would save our life and restore our health and we refused his services, who would be to blame? The doctor or us? Obviously, it would be us. Just like it would be our, uh, we would be the ones to blame if we rejected the healing and salvation that Jesus has provided for us. The wayward woman and those who were committing adultery with her were on a course of self-destruction. God was doing everything he could and had done everything he could to save them, uh, but the final decision was up to them. Would they trust and obey or not? And the same is true of us today. In our society today, we have juvenile incorrigibility laws. Uh, That's a big word. I learned that word this week, incorrigibility. There's like seven or eight syllables or something ridiculous like that. Uh, But a child is considered incorrigible when they repeatedly refuse to obey parents, school authorities, legal authorities, and posted legal standards. Now, obviously, all children are disobedient from time to time. Uh, But the incorrigible child's actions are repetitively, repeatedly disruptive, dangerous, uh, disobedient, and in direct violation of lawful commands. In our courts, if a a child is determined to be incorrigible, uh, there are certain punishments that might follow, which could include a, a fine, probation, Uh, community service, counseling, or even admittance to a correctional facility. 
all these measures are taken to protect and help the child, as well as protecting and helping those around the child. In a similar way, God's justice system has certain built-in incorrigibility laws. We can only hope the wayward woman in Thyatira and those who were following her example heard John's revelation and repented. If not, they had no one to blame but themselves. God's universal laws have been established since the beginning of time. Uh, right and wrong are already written in stone. They, they can't be changed. We can't suddenly decide that uh, a wrong is now a right. It just doesn't happen. Uh, and when it comes to sin, the wages of sin, any sin, just one sin, will always be death. There's only one way we can escape. We must put our faith in Jesus, trusting and obeying him as our Lord and Savior. Now, the good news, if this wasn't already good, uh, it gets better, is that our Lord and Savior will reward those who keep his deeds to the end. He will reward them. Uh, Taking up in verse 24. We read, But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. As I also have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The message to the church in Thyatira concludes with an exhortation to to those who have not joined the ranks of Jezebel or the deep secrets of Satan. Some think Jezebel was simply teaching a message that uh, basically said, the closer you get to Satan and the more you involve yourself with evil and sin, then the more forgiveness you can experience and the more you'll appreciate God's grace. Uh, Obviously, uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Paul addressed this lie in Romans 6, verse 1, when he asked, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace will increase? And then he says, he responds, May it never be! Exclamation point. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Tempted to rabbit trail in all kinds of different directions after reading that, but I won't. Uh, Bottom line is, our Lord and Savior 
offers us a new life and a better way of living. A life that isn't dominated or controlled by sin, but a life that is governed by real love, not fake love. We'll use that word since it's so popular today. Uh, A life that's governed by real joy, not fake joy. Uh, Real peace, not fake peace. Uh, Real patience, real self-control, real gentleness. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us get there, uh, to help us overcome sin, because we can't do it on our own. Uh, That's impossible. Uh, If you think you can just leave out of here today and say, oh, well, I'll be back at church in six weeks, or I'll come back and pray to the Lord for the first time in six weeks, or I'll come back to worship for the first time in six weeks, and you go out and you try to live life without uh, God's help and the Holy Spirit, uh, you're not going to be very successful. Uh, We need his help, and he gives us that that help. Uh, If we abide in him, he will abide in us. Or as Jesus said in John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have life abundantly. Now, I have to admit, when I read that, I had to stop and I think, man, I don't know, because I don't really feel like my life's that abundant sometimes. And I had to really stop and think. And that's part of the reason why we have to get into God's Word is because it reminds us over and over again of how grateful we should be for the things God has done for us and is doing for us. We, we do have abundant life. And uh, while we still have struggles and we face challenges and we're tempted and we fall short, uh, we have victory in Jesus Christ. And most importantly, we have the promise that we're about to look at here uh, for all eternity. If we keep the faith and hold on to Christ and his teachings, we will reap the rewards both in this life and for all eternity. In verse 26, we're told that those who overcome will be given authority over the nations to rule with a rod of iron. Now, that got my attention because I like this idea of ruling. <laughs> you know, give me a rod of iron. I'll, I'll rule. Uh, I don't have a problem with that, you know, whatever that might mean. Uh, but our hope is this. Our hope is that one day we will reign or rule side by side with our Lord and Savior. In 2 Timothy 2.11, we're told, if we die with him, we will also live with him. Uh, if, if we endure, we will also reign with him. In verse 28, Jesus, Jesus also promises his followers the morning star. Uh, as with all of God's word, I don't complete, I don't, com- I don't uh, uh, claim to understand everything. I mean, you know, God is God and we are not. Uh, this term morning star, star is kind of an interesting one where some places Satan refers to himself as the morning star and, but, but Jesus also calls himself the bright morning star. We see that in Revelation 22. So keep that in mind. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul writes, For now we see in a mirror dimly, I can identify with that, uh, but then face to face, then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. 
I don't claim to understand all of this, but one day our eyes are going to be open in a whole new way, and we are going to see God in a whole new way. Uh, we are going to see just how incredibly wise isn't even the good enough word to describe the majesty and the greatness of our God, but we will realize uh, just how grand he, he is and how little uh, and how unknowledgeable we are. Uh, one day, uh, we will see how great his love for us is, like we've never seen before, and we will realize how terribly unworthy we are like we've never felt before. One day we will know, without a doubt, without a question, we won't have to wonder or do any what-ifs. We will know that our God is King of kings, Lord of lords, almighty creator of the universe, who has existed for all time and will exist for all time. Let me just close by reading 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 51 and 52. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Change is coming for those who remain faithful and overcome. And that change is going to be very, very, very good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today praising you and exalting you and thanking you for all that you've done for us. Lord, uh, we're not perfect. We know it. We sin. We fall short. We know it. Uh, just help us to admit it when we need to. Help us to repent when we, do, when we need to. And Lord, help us to give you the, the thanks in knowing that you're there to embrace us, forgive us, pick us up, uh, dust us off, and make us into the people you want us to be. We thank you that we have that hope. We thank you that our future is safe and is, uh, is, is fantastic knowing that it's with, going to be with you. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.